Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, here's how Miro works. See? It's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox. And what the gearbox is, it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the Go Wild community is using in the field, what products they're using, but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products. There's you, there's a shopping function on it. So Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, and today's episode is, is a little different. We've, we've not done an episode like this, so... We took a section of public land, Jeff and I took a section of public land in Ohio and, you know, we basically picked out a, a chunk within that, that block of uh, public land and broke down how we would approach it. We've not stepped foot on this piece of, of ground, so just looking at maps, digital scouting, how would we... Uh, break this property down how would we go about 
hunting it, what spots would we want to get, you know, some better boots on the ground observations. So if you guys, you know, once you hear the episode, if you like this and, and you'd like us to do other sections of public ground, let us know. Um, like I said, this is a different type of episode than we normally do. So let us know if you like this or don't like it. We're, uh, we make this podcast for you all, the listeners. So let us know what you like, what you don't. So we'll get into that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. And if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know Monster Whitetail Grub has been a, a sponsor for a long time now. And that's for good reason. It's a good company. It's it's a good product. They source their ingredients from Ohio, so you're helping the Ohio economy, which is, uh, I mean, the entire economy needs help. But, you know, if you can funnel that money into the Ohio economy, why not, right? So if you're looking for feed, deer feed, whether to get deer in front of your cameras, you know, as you're watching antlers grow, if you're looking for feed to hunt over, they've got you covered. They've got their, their signature monster white tail grub feed. They've got just straight mineral and they've also got flavored corn. So it takes, you know, if you've got a lot of people feeding in the area and everybody's putting corn out, this flavored corn can really kind of pull the deer onto your property in front of your cameras if everybody else around is also feeding just corn. So check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and there's a link there to get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And now we're going to get into this uh, hunt breakdown episode and see what you guys think. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So today we're kind of going to do a a map scouting episode. So we've, we've done some content before on like things that we look for when, when we're doing digital scouting and, and, you know, we kind of talked about some of the, the differences between like hunt stand or Onyx and, you know, what's nice about one versus the other. And, you know, some of the other tools that we use like Google earth, but this time we're actually going to break down a specific area and we just sort of at random, I guess, you know, I just Googled public land hunting in Ohio. And one of the first results that came back was the Woodbury wildlife area. So we're going to look at that. Woodbury in total, I think I read was, you know, is something in the neighborhood of 19,000 acres. We're, you know, not going to evaluate the whole 19,000 acres. So we, we kind of just zoomed in on the map and picked a chunk. It ended up being, you know, it was one of these sort of easily identifiable big blocks of public land on the, on the map when you're looking at property boundaries. It ended up being, uh, I, I think in total it's around 
2,800 acres. <clears throat> and we're basically going to run through some places on the map that we would want to go look at or potentially hunt, you know, get some further boots on the ground information, if you will. But these are, you know, kind of how we approach a new area. We've never been to Woodbury. Don't really know anything about it. Don't know anybody personally that hunts there. So we may do more of these. If, if you guys like this kind of content, you want us to do other public areas or, I mean, I guess we could even look at private areas if it, if it makes sense for, um, uh, episode content. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how that would work, but you know, we could look at it. So with that, I guess basically that, you know, Woodbury, this area that we picked, Let's see here. It is, for those of you that don't know, this area is just west of the Muskingum River. It's, uh, let's see, it's near Coshocton. It's, let me zoom out here and sort of locate it a little yeah. bit. It's, it's the uh, area near New Moscow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's between New Moscow and uh, 541. Okay. Is the best way I would describe this area. Yeah, if you... To sort of... Uh, uh, I was going to say it's like... I guess Zane, it's just north of Zanesville. I was going to say it's like halfway between Columbus and 77, but it's it maybe more like three quarters of the way, you know, if you go out 70, it's, uh, you know, then you got to go North to get yeah, to yeah. the Woodbury wildlife area. Yeah. So that kind of gives you an area of, you know, what part of the state we're looking at, you know, sort of that East central part of the state. And this area specifically was old strip mine and, the reason I know that is because when you Google it, it tells you that. And when you look at the map layers, if you look at, um, I think it's like the USGS map layer, it tells you, you know, there's, it's kind of like highlighted in this area that it's, that it's, uh, old strip mine and bear with me here. My, my, uh, browser is kind of acting weird trying to get yeah it's zoom. also fairly easy to tell that this is old strip mine or that there was some heavy land work done um just by looking at the top topographical maps um you know the way that this land is kind of laid out is not a natural you know, natural. The land doesn't, you know, make hills and ravines like this naturally. Right. You can you can tell it's very artificial. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's actually kind of interesting because there's this, like, this specific area that we picked 
there's if you if you look out to the um what would it be the west part of this specific area there's some parts where it looks like you know just like jeff said just looking at the topographical there's some parts that i think are possibly natural elevation change but then there's other parts that are you know very clearly different um so like this and i guess i should back up this is going to kind of be an interactive podcast if you will we're going to be talking about things on a map points on a map that you all can't see so what we're going to do is the episode image for this will will probably be some sort of an image of this map but the website article or maybe we'll we'll post a you know a, a handful of images so you know there'll be like a carousel of images you can kind of flip through on social or probably the best way will will be to go to our website and look at the article that accompanies this uh episode because we'll have a handful of images in there that will make this make sense. We're going to do our best to to explain it on an audio platform, but it's going to help if you can kind of look at some of these images. So there's this little corner, Jeff, what I was talking about on like this boundary that we sort of highlighted, the western boundary that seems like it could be, you know, if you look outside of this wildlife area, like the terrain changes seem... Uh, less jagged, you know, more natural in this one little corner versus the majority of it is, is, I guess, jagged, abrupt terrain changes, things like that. And I don't know if you noticed this, Jeff, but it looks like if you look at the Google Maps terrain view, you see that, like those very abrupt changes. If you look at the topographic quad map, the quad view map, it just has all of those it doesn't seem to to show up as well <clears throat> from what i see on those it just has all these like ridge tops highlighted in like this uh i don't know this pink overlay on the map right and almost still has like the old elevation lines but has just highlighted these saying this was strip mine so we're not really sure what it looks like you know did you notice that yeah yeah it 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 was almost useless yeah yeah because it doesn't really show it doesn't seem to show what's there today right so that's one thing if you guys are looking to hunt this area and you're you're used to using the topographic quad maps with the, you know, your elevation lines in this case, it might not be super helpful. And actually to sort of back up my point from earlier saying this, this little corner next to the road here, which I don't know what road this is, but where I said, it looks like it's more natural. It's outside of this like pink boundary, this pink polka dot or, or right. whatever mm-hmm. boundary that said it was strip mine. So I guess that makes sense that that looks more natural than the rest of it. So, <clears throat> that being said, the way this section work, you know, sort of lays out 
is you've got somewhat of a major road on the northern boundary, major enough to have a Google Street View um, car drive down it. <laughs> the, the, the road that runs on the southern boundary, there is no Google Street View, so it's a, you know, probably a less well-traveled road, not as, you know, not as uh, well-paved, I guess, as the northern boundary. There's a road that that sort of bounds the western border, and then the eastern border is, it sort of breaks up into private, uh, continues a little bit into uh, more of this, this public, but you're starting to get into that blocks of public and private and <clears throat> so there's not a real good way to describe the shape of this it's you know it doesn't really look like anything per se um but it's sort of uh i don't know taller than it is wide if you will and it kind of runs diagonally from southwest to northeast a little bit you know it's not like a uh, a rectangle north to south but if you kind of tipped it on its side and it's you know kind of a weird shape but you know you kind of get this diagonal the, the longest portion of this is northeast to southwest so that probably <laughs> doesn't make much sense in audio but <clears throat> i promise you if you if you look at the image either on social or on our website It'll make sense. And then it looks like there's an access road that runs basically through the middle of this. And when I pulled up Street View off of that that main road to the north, it does look like there's a gate that they, when the Google Street View car went by, that gate was open. But it does look like they can close off that road. So depending on if that gate is normally open or closed dramatically changes how this thing hunts because this road runs most of the way through this. I think it continues. Did you get the sense that that road that runs through the middle continues all the way through ish? Like you could do it on a, on an ATV or something, but a truck you, you might not get all the way through like that road kind of peters out. Yeah, I I got the sense that at least at one point that road ran all the way through. Yeah. But now it has yeah, basically been stopped, you know, I don't know, three fourths of the way through. Yeah, I would say yeah. Yeah, at least from the satellite images, it doesn't look like it it runs all the way back out to hard road. It's definitely a gravel road when it starts on the north and then you know, at some point sort of peters out, it looks like. So that sort of divides this property. It's kind of, you know, like I said, it's kind of narrow on the northern boundary and then it, it widens out in the middle and then kind of narrows back down at least this this chunk that we're looking at. Like I said, this is 2,800 2, acres of a 19,000 acre block of public land. So... Jeff and I took some time looking at this terrain, topo, satellite images, and 
picked out some key features that we would want to investigate, I guess. Is that a good way to, to explain it, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Some some key areas where we would like to get boots on the ground if we were to, you know, go hunt this area, pick out some places where we want to look first to see if these are good places, you know, once you have boots on the ground. Right. So I guess another thing to, excuse me, another thing to mention is there does look like there's still some maintained like oil wells or some, if you, if you zoom way in on some of the satellite imagery, you can see some pump jacks and you can see these two tracks that run through this piece of property. So there might be some, you know, oil and gas leases on this. Those, those two tracks, at least for me, I kind of pay attention to those because with this being public ground, those are easy walking. They're, they're going to be relatively flat. Not, you know, you're not bushwhacking through brush or briars because four wheelers or, or trucks are running in and out of these to check these wells, turn the pumps on, whatever, you know, whatever needs done, service these things. So they're easy walking and people are just going to, I mean, deer will walk them too. You know, we, we have these same things down in Southeast Ohio where we hunt and, you know, you inevitably see deer tracks on them, but you know, it's another source of, human intrusion, if you will. So something that maybe on a topo view seems like it's far away from any access. When you start looking at the satellite view and really zooming in, you start to see, oh, that's maybe not as isolated as I thought it was originally. You know, I thought this was a thousand yards from, from anything. And then you find out, oh, it's like, 200 yards from this two track. So things to keep in mind. I've highlighted one of them on here. I may highlight more of them before we post this just to kind of show you how it, it breaks up the property. So how do you want to start this, Jeff? Do we just, you just want to pick a spot and, and talk about why you pick that spot? Well, I kind of want to start because uh, over you, because I have more of one specific area that I would target first um, because it seems stellar. And some of the things that you have marked on the map already um, kind of encroach on that. So if you go first, I might not have anything to talk about. (laughs) All right. Um, Go ahead. Kick it off. But the the first area when I'm looking at this map that I'm very interested in is uh, it's in the, the northwest corner of this section we decided to look at. And there is access to this northwest corner from close access, this northwest corner from three different basic directions um there's one road that comes down 
and dead ends into it so you could park at the end of that road and get there and then there's two places where the public land touches a bordering road in this upper corner so it's got good access i mean you're still gonna walk to to the places that i found as being uh good hunting you're still gonna walk about a half mile um to get there but that's what you got to do a lot of times when you're hunting public you know you got to get in there away from the roads to be away from other hunters um particularly what i'm interested in is there appears to be a long lake that comes along that corner and on the north side of that lake judging by the topographic lines it appears to be a cliff it's you know at least 30 to 100 feet drop in a very short period of time okay so that's gonna work as a as a boundary you know i don't believe it would be very difficult for deer to find a way to get across you know that boundary even you're talking this lake that that generally runs east to west yes yes and that that private corner almost touches it yes yes yeah that's that's exactly what i'm talking about and it appears that maybe the lake might kind of dry out in in the middle but that cliff is still there um so maybe that area if if there is a way for the deer to get across there Um, I would assume it would be a very narrow trail. So if you could set up on it, you know, all the deer that want to get from north to south would have to go through a very small area if there is something there. So I'd like to take a look there just to see if there was anything, uh, where the deer are crossing. But the main area is if you go all the way to the west side of that lake um, yeah. on the topo map it there's a pinch point where basically the hill comes up from that lake and then the hillside up above comes down and flattens out there's a bench right next to that lake on the west side of that lake and that is the first place i would look I I would really heavily look to see if that is uh, being used by deer and doesn't have a whole lot of human activity as well, because that's where I would expect the deer to travel to, to head from north to south, is they would run and come along and just skirt right around the west edge of that lake to get into the southern portion of this zone. And with it, that area, you can access, basically, you can access it from the east, from the southwest, or from the north. So depending on wind directions, you can get in there basically any way. Right, okay. So that's that's the place 
and I would look first. And then around that area, there's another couple of areas where ridgetops kind of fall into each other. And I, I would then check those other places where the ridgetops are meeting. Um, because deer, deer are lazy. You know, they're going to try to walk ridgetops, um, flat areas, benches. Um, you know, they, they don't want to walk up and down hill. They want to try to stay as relatively on the same elevation, you know, to get from place to place. Yeah. And I think that's going to end up being a key thing in this area is that like you have, like you said, you have some of these really abrupt terrain changes that are going to funnel deer a certain way, right? They're not going to go straight down and straight back up when they can, you know, it might, it might be farther. It's probably farther for them to go around, but you know, they're not going straight down into this ravine and straight back up to get to the other side. They'll just follow that like elevation out and around and avoid, you know, spending that energy going straight down and straight back up. Yeah. I've only ever seen a deer one time that wasn't, you know, being pushed by something go straight down like a cliff and then straight back up. And I think it was just that one deer was an oddball and knew that if it if it traveled that path that it wasn't going to run into any human interference. Okay. You know, cuz I was sitting next to this basically cliff thinking well the deer aren't going to walk down this cliff behind me you know so i'm covered from behind me so i just need to look out in front of me and sure enough the direction the deer came from was down this cliff behind me and straight back up the other side then so they will do it but it's it's odd yeah so one of, while we're in that sort of northwest area, <clears throat> the other thing I'll point out is this must be, I mean, it's got to be some sort of a, a, a mining feature where maybe they had a, you know, whatever they were mining out of here, coal or, or whatever. They had a run of material. And so there's a couple spots on here where you have these like, I don't even know what to call it. Like these gouges cut out of, of the ground basically. And I was trying to get a sense of how deep they are. But like I said, the, the actual, uh, topographical quad map, like the USGS topographical quad map doesn't really show this feature. The Google earth map, like the elevation map Google earth has shows it. It seems pretty deep, but so it's like it's deep, but narrow. It's like this finger. I I even hesitate to call it a ravine because that might give you the wrong picture in your head. It's like a long, skinny cut where they just like gouged out the ground when they were mining this. And at the head of this is... Let's see. Let me take a measurement here. 
the head of this thing ends at that lake or that narrow part. So it's it looks to be about 100 to 125 yards across right there from the head of this deep gouge to where that possible dry area is in this lake. And lake is even a, a strong word. Like this was strip mine, so there are are gouges or pockets of, of earth that have been removed that have since filled up with water. So there's a lot of these like really weird shaped lakes, if you will, areas that are that now hold water after the mining has has come out. And like Jeff said, this one is is long but really narrow. So what you end up in this area is like I said, you've got this deep gouge that comes up to, you know, like 100 to let's say 150 yards from that lake and I can almost bet there's a deer trail that comes out and around the point of that gouge. Uh, You know, I'd almost guarantee that deer are using, they're not going to walk down that big cut and back up. They're going to come up and around. And so it's another good, you'd have to get in there and, and figure out specifically where, you were going to set up where the trail is, you know, where the best sort of ambush spot is, but it could be a good kind of rut cruising setup. Cause again, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I really doubt that a buck is going to go down in this gouge and, and back up the other side when he can just come go out around. And as Jeff was saying, Access on this one's a, a little weird. If that if that lake is dry in the middle there, you could come in from that direction, which would be like northwest, north-northwest, if you will. You could drop down to it. You can access it from the east, you know, park somewhere on that, that access road, that gravel road that sort of runs through the middle of this from the northeast corner to the south. You know, this road kind of runs northeast to southwest. Park somewhere along that road and walk in. I mean, that's going to be, you got some elevation change. And let's see here. It's going to be straight line to the road. It's like 1,200 yards, 0.7 miles. So it's it's a hike. Um, you you could even come in from the south. The, so- the south is where that ravine kind of, or this gouge kind of runs. So maybe, depending on when you got in there, what it looked like, maybe you could walk the bottom of that gouge. And then, again, it looks pretty steep. So I don't, you know, it would depend on if you could get up it. But I've done that before. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a mining gouge, but you know, when, when you get into hill country, you get where over the years, right. As water flows off the hill, you get these ravines, these cuts that, uh, you know, where the water has just eroded away. A lot of times those get filled up with branches and treetops, trees fall over and just stuff ends up choking those out <clears throat> and you can't hardly get through them. But I, I do have some, 
where they've maintained or they've remained relatively clean. And you can walk up this little creek that it flows water a little bit, but it's not like, you know, I'm not wearing rubber boots or waders. I'm just kind of picking my way up there. And you can get all the way up, you know, into the back of this hollow, if you will. And almost nothing knows you're there because any wind is, is sort of staying above you. This, this water is flowing down and out. So it's kind of carrying your scent back down with it. And you can be pretty quiet down in there. Cause you're, you know, you're walking on flat rocks. There's not a lot of leaves and stuff down in there. Any leaves that fall in there get washed out. And so you can be pretty quiet, get up in there pretty quiet. If that's the case in this scenario, it could be a good access to come up that, that little gouge cut, whatever you want to call it and just pop up on top there basically and get in a tree. That would be a good access, but it's kind of far from anything. So if you did, if you did shoot a deer back there, uh, you know, you'd have a bit of a, a bit of a hike getting it out. We need to pause here briefly to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So Mastin's is a deer scent company. They've also got some, some predator scents, but they're primarily a deer scent company. And they've got a lot of interesting products. They've got their double scent stacker, which if you've not seen that, I, I encourage you to go to their website and check that out. It's, a, it's like a canister and it allows you to run some of their deer scented candles along with some of their liquid scents. So you kind of get a layered scent effect instead of just a single scent. And it also heats the scent, which, you know, normally when, when another deer puts off scent, it's coming from a warm body. So that, you know, I have no idea the science behind this, but it seems like that would be more effective. It would be more realistic. So interesting stuff like that, scented gel crystals, and the best thing is the prices are really good. So check them out, mastinsdeersense.com, order right on their site, and they ship it to your house. Now let's get back into the conversation. There's another one of those, when you look at this image, there's a few of those, like, you know, like I said, where there's just these deep gouges where they had, you know, just dug that material out of there and left this this deep gouge. So with that, I guess maybe maybe we go well, I guess before we leave that like western side, I'll mention there were a few these are closer to the road. They're, you know, five to 600 yards from the road, but they're, it's pretty much uphill from the road. It doesn't look like it's a too bad of a climb, but you come up and it's a real sharp ridge top based on the, the Google earth elevation map. And basically you cut, there, there's two spots that, that kind of look like a saddle where like the, the, point of this ridge where it runs out to the southeast or southwest is higher elevation than like the middle area of this ridge so that could be a good funnel saddle area where deer are going to cross there's another one a little farther north that uh 
might be a little better because it kind of crosses over into the back of this into the back of this bowl. So again, it's one of these where you'd kind of have to get in there and and look at the actual sign and decide, am I going to set up here or like, let me see, let me measure these two, how far apart they are. So they're like 200 yards apart. These two spots I've kind of identified. So you'd have to, you know, bow hunting is a, is a game of inches here. So if you're going in there to bow hunt, you kind of have to get in and figure out where, right? Access on this one's easy. You can, you could, probably everybody's going to come in from the road. There is a creek you have to cross, Moscow Brook. So I don't know how, how wide or, or deep that is, but you'd have to get across that. So that might slow some people down if you come in from the west. If you come in from the east, you're talking a long, long walk. But if it's one of these areas where the deer, you know, lay up there on the hillside when, you know, when they get pressured or, um, you know, it, I could see this being one of those sort of overlooked areas. Cause like, Oh, well the, the road's right there, you know, and any, anybody that is going to access it is, is most likely coming in from the West. If you came in from the East and so I'm talking that access road that kind of splits this chunk that we're looking at. It's a long hike out there, but you might be able to get in behind some deer that normally expect people to come from the west. So, in that area is one of these, as I mentioned earlier, there's these uh, two tracks for accessing these, these pump jacks. So, part of that walk you could walk on one of these two tracks. There may be more that runs out that way. Let me see here. Let me switch back over to... Maybe not. So you might be good as far as like getting away from people. You could walk that two-track most of the way, but then that, that two-track loops around and comes back out. So could be a decent spot. Any, anywhere in that bowl, honestly, that natural bowl on the western border is, uh, you know, there's probably some some good sign in there that I would be curious to look at. The problem, like I said, the problem with that one is it's it's not far from the road. So you'd have to kind of see how steep that hill is coming up, if that's going to, and that creek, you know, if that's going to limit access or, or keep guys from getting in there. I didn't see any kind of like pull off, so it would be, you know, you might have to have somebody drop you off and go in. But they also don't have street view on that on that road. So there's, you know, there may be a pull-off that I just can't see. So Yeah. Also, when I was looking at the uh, Google Maps street view for the roads that you can do street view on, I think that that road that runs that side is also a gravel road. Oh, okay. So if you pull off on the side of a gravel road, I don't think, you know, most of the time no one's going to bother you. Okay. So given that piece of information might not be as 
you know, if it's a gravel road, anybody can park anywhere along there and just walk in. You know, that creek doesn't seem to be too much of a deterrent. It doesn't look like it's much in the way of water, but maybe, you know, if, if, if you just had some rain or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, that creek's unusually high, might be a good opportunity to come in that way. Or like I said, if, if guys are normally coming in that way, you can maybe try to sneak in the back door and honestly, you, you might, that might be a good spot to uh, sort of hunt the hunters if you, if, if you will. And I'm not saying hunt people, but use people coming in off of that road to push deer to you, right? You would sneak in on the backside, you know, how deer are probably going to loop around the top of this bowl come in from that backside and let them bump deer to you. That could be an, a, a strategy for that area. So anything else, I guess, on that western half of this property that you want to talk about, Jeff? Well, I was just thinking with this spot that you were talking about, it may be a good idea to approach it from the south. Yeah, you, if you get on the ridge top from the south and kind of just walk the ridge top out because then you're not walking up and down hills but you're also approaching it from a different angle than everybody else that's a good point yeah because i just saw you know kind of how this ridge top flows and you can kind of from the south park and walk you know you, you'll have to go up and down a little bit because what you know the the ridge top winds pretty heavily, where, but it's you could stay relatively flat and walk it out over there, and approach from a different angle, and not have to bust your butt getting there. And then Are you once talking, you shoot a deer, you can drag it out. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you talking straight up from the south to that point of that like knife yes. ridge? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking. Yeah, because you could, and again, this would depend on once you're in there. Uh, I would want to see, you know, which side am I seeing the signs or the deer tra- trails on? Because that eastern side of that knife ridge, <clears throat> this this knife ridge kind of runs generally north south. You know, it kind of slopes again um, southwest to northeast. But let's generally say north-south. So the east side of that looks to be much steeper than the west side. <clears throat> so, you know, if, if you're seeing more sign on the west side, the, the more gradually sloped side, it wouldn't take much to be out of sight from those deer or that sign walking on that steeper side and kind of side-hilling around. But you may also find that, you know, because that more gradually sloped side faces that road that you, you know, the sign might be on the backside where they feel more secluded, right? Because they don't have to go far. They can pop over that ridge, that knife ridge, and be very much out of sight of that road. So you'd have to kind of, once you got in there, figure it out. There's a, you know, there's a a lot of other places in there that that 
might be worth looking at, but those are the 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 couple that I think stood out to Jeff and I the most on that western part of this chunk we picked out. There's a like again, there's a lot of this like weird terrain change that some of it is just going to require getting in there and figuring out, you know, where are the deer sort of funneling? Where are you seeing the sign? One thing I will point out, and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seemed like from a from a vegetation standpoint, it's generally pretty monotonous. Like you don't have like open areas and then hard timber. You know, you, you, I didn't see a ton. There are like what seem to be blocks of small blocks of trees or at least vegetation that's a different color than some of the rest of it. But what what sense are you getting from, you know, what you're seeing from satellite images and stuff as far as what's the vegetation like in this area? Yeah, it seems like the majority of it is pretty densely packed young growth, you know, woods. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems like it's pretty densely packed. Um, you know, you're not going to find much in the way of wide open woods. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking too, is it's going to be, you know, it's, it's reestablished strip mine. So there's, let me see here. There are some yeah. of these. And there's a, there's a couple of open fields, you know, throughout. Yeah, there's this one area that it's got, yeah, like this top, this in the southwest corner, right? There's this one flat top that looks like it's just been cut off perfectly flat. You see that one? If you're looking at the the Google Earth terrain map yeah yeah i see i see now yeah it took me a second but i see it yeah that looks to be you know like some open field there when you look at it from satellite but generally the there's not a ton or at least nothing obvious from a satellite image on like major vegetation changes there are some don't get me wrong like even if it's just like gray to to brown, you know, when you're looking at some of this, there's definitely some some vegetation change that might be worth. Like what I'm looking at right now is, uh, and I guess we'll jump. This will jump us to the east side of that access road that that sort of splits this this property. There's a line. Here on the southern part where, you know, there's a pretty pronounced um, vegetation change, it looks like, that might be worth checking out. You know, you'd have to figure out exactly, uh, you know, what kind of vegetation is there. It's hard to tell from satellite view, but it might be worth looking at. Yeah, it looks potentially like it's uh, 
you know, like a strip of land that wasn't actually touched by the strip mining. So it's got some significantly older trees. That's what I would assume that is. Yeah. Be completely yeah. wrong, but that's kind of what it looks like is it might have been a ravine or something like that that wasn't, you know, they left that little strip of land be. And so now it holds some some much older trees right so then that that uh brings us to the the other section here and there's a few spots that i picked out on this eastern half where again there's another one of these gouges where it's relatively flat Uh, i'm gonna say the the central east central part of this block you you have this relatively flat area compared to some of these other you know really kind of gouged up areas but you have another one of these cuts that we talked about on the other side that uh i guess it runs sort of the same direction as the other one it runs northwest to southeast and that southeast point is the far end from this access, this gravel access road that runs through the middle. And again, I'd be willing to bet that there's, you know, there's some deer trails that, that cut around the end of that. And then if you drop almost straight south from there, I noticed there's sort of a convergence of terrain features on this one dot. So you've got an old road that looks like it... I went through the the Google Earth historical images, and it's still there to some extent. But it, it seems like as time goes by, that road peters out more and more. Like there's there definitely seems to be some sort of a pull-off there off of this gravel road that run... That, cuts this property in half but from there at this point it when i'm looking at the satellite imagery now there's definitely not a well-maintained road there anymore yeah it's pretty hard to see now yeah but there's a flat area that i'm assuming was cut there as a you know when they were when this was a strip mine <clears throat> to, you know, to get trucks in and out or dozers or, or whatever. So when you, let me, let me see here. I'm going to take a quick measurement. So when you get about, looks like, uh, six to 700 yards off of that, uh, access road, that gravel road, you you get this terrain feature where it almost looks like a uh, a plus sign if you will like this this road that was cut through east to west and then you have this gouge that runs north and south and so you i guess what caught my eye there is just like you, you've got this um you've got this convergence of terrain features. So you've got this low spot that runs north to south that I, I think is going to, any anything that's coming 
from the south is going to funnel through this low area out to where that old road used to be that runs east to west. And then from there, they're going to kind of disperse or, you know, they might walk that road a little bit. There's, there's, um, the other thing that I like here is there's some of these long skinny lakes that run north to south here and where that road you don't see it so much on the Google Earth view, but where that road used to be looks to be one of the only good places to get across there. So that could be a good, you know, it's going to funnel deer trying to get across that water. The other area is is a little bit to the south of there where you end up with this, I don't even know how, how to describe that, but it's like this little finger of land, if you will. And it looks a little different depending on if you're looking at it from the satellite view or the the terrain view. But again, the vegetation looks a little different in there. It's a block of ground that splits these two definite lakes. And so I feel like there, you know, there's good funneling action through there. There's terrain change right there or I mean vegetation change right there. So another good kind of funneling area where I think you would find a lot of deer activity. If you look at the contour map, which is like the satellite view with the contour lines laid over top of it, it looks like it, it, you know, it might be a little bit lower right there. Not that there's a ton of elevation change in this funnel but it just seems like it kind of drew my eye to that there's a lot of good things going on there you got vegetation change you've got terrain change you've got water to the north and south so anything that's trying to get east to west is probably going to come across this little finger or across that old road and i guess to jump back up to that that old road because that was cut in it looks pretty steep right there almost to like to the point where you could sit up you could climb up on that hillside and if there are deer walking that old road you could almost hunt them as if you were in a tree stand but you'd be on the ground so like you you wouldn't have to carry a tree stand in there is kind of what I I was like I wonder if you could do that right like yeah. Scramble your way up that hillside and hunt as it if you were in a tree stand. It definitely looks steep enough, yeah. Yeah. So, that was the other thing that, that kind of drew me to that. Yeah. And and the deer may feel relatively safe down in there because, you know, they're, they wouldn't expect to be preyed on from kind of up a cliff. Right. You know, so they may feel relatively safe and, you know, even if they do kind of smell human scent, you know, they may think it was just a person who walked that road before and not someone who's, you know, not a person that's up above them currently. Yeah. The challenge with that spot would be, I think, your wind. 
right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to swirl weird in there just because you have these, like I said, you've got this like man-made ravine that runs east to west, and then it's probably a man-made ravine that runs north to south, and they're pretty abrupt. And so I think on any wind, you'd have to play around with it. Yeah, I think for a lot of this area, the wind is, it's going to swirl weird. And yeah, you're going to have to play around with it because there's a lot of very abrupt, like not natural land changes that are going to throw your wind in some some weird ways. Yeah. Yeah, so it would definitely be a... Uh... A milkweed or a, a cattail fluff or something, you know, bring some sort of, or your, you know, those powder wind checkers. The nice thing about, you know, the milkweed or the, the cattail fuzz is, you know, those you can see those a lot longer, right? You can watch how they, how the wind kind of flows right. out through this terrain right. stuff. Right. So, Jason, you see this. Uh green spot like basically right in the middle of this area on satellite view on satellite view yeah this is one that i just kind of stumbled upon but there's to to the west of the road to the access road yeah yeah just west yeah Mm -hmm. as you're coming down that access road you got long lakes you know along the east there to the west there's a lake and then there's what appears to be a very dense stand of pine trees. You know, it's a very green spot. You yeah. know, and this satellite image is fall. That spot, I would assume, when you get to late season, um, that patch of pines will probably hold deer. That's a good point, yeah. Because if you look around, I mean, there's some other pine stands around um but nothing that dense of pine trees you know you you can't see you know any other you know you can't see a deciduous tree in that stand really right so it's a very dense stand of pine trees and deer will get in there late season to keep the snow off snow off um um break the wind so if you can find a way to hunt that even if you want to push it you know the deer that spot and it's very close to that access road it's only about 100 yards from that access road so that would be a good late season spot to hunt whether you want to just have someone walk around and push it or if you want to go and hunt you know the side of it you know just get so that you have a crosswind or whatever so your wind's not blowing Mm -hmm. um because that's i would be shocked if you went there on a you know a morning with fresh snow and there wasn't deer in there i would be absolutely floored well, and I, I like too these like there's a little finger of pine trees that trickle off to the north of that, mm-hmm. and so they kind of string out to the north, and so you could really, you could really get some uh, 
like some good morning or afternoon sun, right? They could like back up to those pine trees that, that sort of right. finger right. out to the north. Again, you got the windbreak, but then they could lay in there and, you know, soak up that sun in the late season. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that jumps out at you that uh, is worth mentioning? I mean, it's an interesting piece of ground for sure. Right, I've, I've never right. hunted or, or, you know, walked around on old strip mine, so... Yeah, it's an interesting piece of ground, and it's very representative of a lot of Ohio's, well, at least uh, the eastern portion of Ohio's public land. You know, a lot of it is old strip mine or something where it was pretty detrimental land use. You know, the land was used and heavily uh, modified. And so now you're left with these strange topographic features, you know, landscapes that are mm-hmm. kind of unique to unique to the area, you know, because if you're not hunting somewhere that's been strip mined or whatever, you you don't see land features like this. Right. You know, it looks like there's lakes on top of hills and... <laughs> right, yeah. You know, and then cliffs and... You know, so it's all very weird. Yeah. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I mean, this is the first one of these that uh, we've done. So if, if you like this kind of content, please let us know. Right, We can do more of these if, if you... If you hate it because this is the area that you hunt and and you feel like we gave up all the secrets, I guess let us know that too. Uh, but we figured, you know, we're an Ohio hunting podcast. It, it might be cool for us to talk about, you know, some specific Ohio spots. So we're by, you know, we're by no means experts. We, you know, we don't get... Uh, paid to hunt professionally but this is how we would approach this i guess you know if we were coming in here to to hunt this place for the first time these are the spots that we would be interested to look at and and see how they looked with with boots on the ground which you know some of these may be horrible spots when you get in there and look at it and go oh yeah this isn't at all what i thought but from a satellite image, from a, a terrain topo feature, historical imagery, those are that's kind of the process that we go through. And and you know Jeff looks at things a little different than I do, and and Jake looks at things a little different than us, you know. And so we've all got our you know little nuances, if you will. But generally, those are the things that uh, that we're looking at or or looking for so alright that's going to be it like I said let us know if you like this if that's something you want us to do more of because like I said in the beginning we're doing this for you all right this is we, we, we take time out of our week every week to record and edit and, and publish this episode these episodes for you hopefully to bring you some entertainment, hopefully to bring you some education. And 
we want your feedback. So you all are, are kind of, you're kind of the producers of the show. You let us know what you want and we'll make it happen. We'll do our best to make it happen. So with that, I just want to take a second to say thank you. Thank you for all the time you take to listen to the show, to share the show. That's that's basically, right, in today's climate culture, if you will, this type of content doesn't sort of grow legs on its own, right? The, the social media algorithms don't really promote this kind of content. So it's up to you all. So the growth and and expansion that we've seen is all from you, from you all sharing the, the episodes, from you all telling your friends and family about the episodes. There's, you know, we get enough downloads now to, to where we know it's not just our friends and family listening. So, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I hope you continue to do that. And with that, I will let you all go and get back to your week. And as always, thanks for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.